Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. I'm Joey Christopoulos. We've got a fantastic guest coming up in just a moment. But first, we got to talk about our presenting sponsor and who else they've been with us from the very start it's betonline.ag look college football coming towards the playoffs nba nhl in full swing nfl going on weekly so that's why betonline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests every single week all the hoops betting action is right there and available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time so what are you waiting for head to the website right now and if you use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that is only a bet online where the game starts Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the show. We got a fantastic week of fantastic guests. So let's kick it off first. I've absolutely loved her content and all of her hard work. She's been covering the Bears from the jump. You can check her out on Chicago Football Weekly with GNTV. Follow them at GNTV on WGN. It is Caitlin Sharkey. Caitlin, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. I'm in that middle of the season grind, so uh, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, that's such a great point because a little bit of what I want to talk about today is that uh, it sort of feels like a switch in the season for the Chicago Bears, right? I mean, they're three and seven right now. We're not really looking at the playoffs, but when you talk about midseason, it sounds like maybe a second season is about to be birthed, hopefully with the return of Justin Fields. So, Caitlin, you know, you're there every single day. Um, I don't know if you're able to be at practice the last couple of days. It's early. We're taping this on a Tuesday, but can you provide any update or progress? Right now on Justin Fields, his thumb injury, and will he be available versus the Lions this week? My guess and my, uh, you know, kind of gut feeling that he will be available against the Lions. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he did practice last week. He was throwing last week. I thought he looked great in practice, um, and he continued to practice again on Monday. And as the week progresses, he's been in that limited role. I think they just didn't want to rush him back on a short week last week, and especially with the mini-buy to follow. Now, like you mentioned, there's this other half of the season. so. You know, you want him at full strength, you want him healthy, and you want him to be able to be evaluated for his future and for this team and to salvage, you know, whatever's left of this season for this offense. So I think he's going to play against the Lions. Obviously, it's going to be a tough challenge uh, going on the road to Ford Field with a, you know, hopefully his thumb is completely back to full strength. It was basically just grip strength and he wasn't yet medically cleared. But from what I saw in practice, uh, the ball zipping out of his hands pretty good. So I think Tyson Bajan's time is now over for the Bears, and we get Justin Fields back. Well, you're making a great point, too, as well, because I, I think a lot of the conversation when we have with, with Justin Fields in general is um, a lot of people talk about the things that we need to do to build around him, and then the other side of the fence says, well, you're making excuses for him. So uh, I, I think that maybe is the, the right move, hopefully, by the Chicago Bears staff to try and get him to 100% as possible, because is that an issue, too, as well, that if he he comes out if he's rusty next week we can easily just kind of point to the thumb and say well he's he's not this when the thumb is 100 percent, we'll be right where he needs to be and i think joy that's the part that's exhausting to me at this point in this season i understand <laughs> last year they didn't have weapons it was you know new coaches new regime new playbook all of these things and so he comes into this season and then of course he then of course he deals with this injury and he had some great games already this season before he got hurt, especially with DJ Moore, the one playmaker that they brought in to make a, a difference. And he has made a difference with Justin, not so much, I don't think, with Tyson Bajan. And again, that's a whole nother, you know, can of worms. But I think when you're talking about no more excuses with Justin Fields, if he's healthy and he goes out there in Detroit and this offense is disjointed and the chemistry's off, we can no longer say, well, you know, he was out four games. 
there's no more, there's not, there's not any time for that anymore. And I think he's at a point in his career where if you can't just jump right in after getting the reps now, basically a week and a half of practice, almost full, two full weeks of practice, you don't need those extra reps to kind of have this chemistry with your line and your playmakers. So if they don't come out firing against Detroit, you're just running out of excuses at this point. And I don't think it's fair for him or this offense or this entire team to continue to make those excuses for him. And Caitlin, that's why I think I find this part of the season a little exciting. I, I don't know. Am mm-hmm. I am I a masochist for feeling that way, that there is a certain <laughs> excitement about Justin Fields, you know what I mean, coming back? I'm not necessarily, you know, I, I still want that high draft pick. So so for for your from your seat right now, what does it look like over these last couple of months, over these last seven games for Justin Fields? Um, obviously, is it an eye test? Is it is a combination of statistical? Is it a combination of wins and losses for you that's going to provide enough evidence that that can have you or anyone else, a fan, a reporter in the Chicago Bears organization and say, hey, Justin Fields is our guy. We need to move forward with him or, you know, maybe we need to look someplace else because we are going to have that high draft pick. What is that combination? What is that formula for you for success for Justin Fields? I think the majority of it is an eye test. I think if you talk about, you know, getting a certain number of wins over losses, they have a tough schedule to finish things out. And I think when you talk about going against the Lions and the Vikings now suddenly and then the Browns, and there's just certain situations where you're like, okay, well, maybe if it doesn't come down to wins and losses, it has to be an eye test. And if he can manage the game, if he's making the throws he needs to make, if he's showing that athleticism is – the main reason that they brought him into Chicago in the first place, if we're seeing that Justin Fields, the offense isn't disjointed, he's not making mistakes, then I think they're like deciding, okay, Justin is our guy. We have this belief and faith in Justin. But if there's none of that there and we can we continue to see the same issues with him and or if it, you know through his progressions and his reads and his accuracy, if that's not there, I think you have to really take a solid look at like, okay, we've done what we've needed to do. The offensive line, they don't play perfectly, but they've played better than they have in Justin's career and sh- earlier in Justin's career in Chicago. So it's kind of on him. And I think a lot of it is an eye test situationally learning how to win, being in those situations. And I mean, I got to give it to Tyson Bajan and, you know, two for two as a rookie in four games is not bad because situationally he handled the game and he has command and he has poise. If you can mold Justin and Tyson Bajan together, I think you'd have a great quarterback in uh, Chicago. You can't unfortunately do that. So I think for Justin, it's a lot of we know he's athletic. We know he has the skill set. How does he put it into action? And how does he lead his team to wins? And I think that's something we just haven't seen from him. Yeah, there's there's an optic to it. There's a feeling, and I think you're using a great phrase, situationally. Um, there's moments when you really kind of want to see it from Justin Fields, like in that Washington game, I felt like he was possessed at times, just the way that he was kind of getting in and out of the huddle, the way that he shredded that opposing defense. You're like, okay, I can live with that. I can build off of that. I can build my franchise around that, but it's this few and far in between that I think has the skeptics continue to grow daily, but he has that opportunity now moving forward to the next two months to be quiet. And real quick, if they put Tyson Bage and Justin Fields together, <laughs> would their father be an arm wrestling champion cop? Is that would be like the most ultimate? It would be amazing. I mean, if you could just blend their skill sets and tell, and I know, and I know there's a lot of conversations, you know, Tyson comes out and has this good game as this rookie. We love the storyline. And then it's like, he came crashing down earth and it was more humble, like welcome to the NFL kid. And Justin's had those moments too, but it's just funny when you think about when I've watched the games now, I'm like, man, if that was Justin, he would, 
you know, spin out and rush for 50 yards and break free and they'd have a big explosive play. But then there's also situations where, you know, I've watched Justin where I'm like, I don't know. I think Tyson makes that throw, makes that tight window, you know, check down on whatever they need him to, to pick up the first down more easy. So it's funny that, you know, watching now the body of work of both of them, you're like, man, if you could just put them together, <laughs> they'd really be onto something here. <laughs> Yeah, the release time on the bubble screen, right? Tyson Bage, and you're like, yeah, can we just bring that right over? Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about the fathers combining. I'll let you out of a speeding yeah. ticket if we arm wrestle or something like that. I'm just trying to think be amazing. Amazing. So, so I've been kind of I've been chucking this around town a little bit, Caitlin, and I want to get your perspective on it. Um, because when you're trying to make a decision on Justin Fields, I think Chicago Bears fans, I mean, honestly, um, you know, you've got a chance to really kind of absorb the Chicago Bears culture, maybe the Twitter, the not so great part of it mm -hmm. over the last couple okay. of years. Um, and I, I just kind of feel like that we don't really exactly know or see what elite quarterback play looks like. I know that we desperately want it, but I'm not sure we exactly know what it is when it's right in front of our face. And I just want to get your take generally on how you feel the quarterback position has been across the NFL this year. Um, because from my seat, I'm just kind of looking around and I'm saying, gosh, if you roll the clocks back to 2019, there's a, perhaps a dozen quarterbacks that were either elite pro bowlers, MVPs, guys that went to Super Bowls everywhere from a Tom Brady down to a Cam Newton that have left the game. And now there's a transition going on right now in the NFL at the quarterback position. And I'm kind of sitting there and asking myself, gosh, even with all of his flaws, is Justin Fields still maybe a top 12 quarterback? So how do you view the quarterback position this year in the NFL? Um, and maybe where it's heading in the next couple of years. Yeah, it, it is interesting to think about, Joey, because you feel like, especially when Aaron Rodgers got hurt in game one, you're like, okay, well, that was the last of like that generation of quarterbacks. So yeah. now, you know, these young guys have taken over now for a while. So I'm not saying that, you know, this is something new. But when you look at just the quarterback play this season, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to be Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and, and, and Lamar Jackson. Those are the guys that you're, you know, at the top of your list. But you look at, I mean, Josh Allen on Monday night and, and how the Bills have struggled and how much of that is Allen and his interceptions or the, the lack of, you know, whatever they're trying to figure out in Buffalo. Um, and then, I don't know, I just feel like it's not as strong this year. And even with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, it's it's just a combination of things. And it's curious to me because, yeah, when you start ranking them, you're like, well, Justin, if he, put, if he strings together a few good games, especially to end this season – you can put him right up there, especially with his unique um, skill set. So I think, you know, he's definitely not toward the top of that top 12, but I think he sits in a pretty good place. And I don't know, maybe, and I don't want to say like quarterback play is down this season, but it's different. Like you said, if you roll the clock back yeah. just two years, uh, things looked very different for a lot of these quarterbacks, except Patrick Mahomes, who continues just to do, you know, his superhero thing. So other than that, yeah, it's, the elite days it's kind of like, it's kind of like you don't know what you're gonna get each week and then you got guys like josh dobbs coming out and throwing five touchdowns in two games so it's exciting to see those kind of storylines and those quarterbacks kind of make a name for themselves but yeah the elite i feel like the, those numbers are dwindling there's an awkward transition going on just a little bit right i mean it, mm -hmm. if you roll it back there'd be a week when it'd be philip rivers versus matt ryan now neither right. of those guys honestly <laughs> you know you know what i mean like but there was a time when those guys were both incredibly above average capable quarterbacks. And yeah, when you see a guy like Kirk Cousins go down, Aaron Rodgers go down, I mean, the Rams are just kind of begging Matt Stafford to just yeah. kindly go off into the sunset a little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of a transition yeah. and you're making the list and you're like, oh man, like is Baker Mayfield the 
11th best quarterback in the NFL this year. And, and that, that can make an interesting case for Justin about possibly being in that group. I, and, and you made a great distinction. I think there's a top five that Justin is definitely mm-hmm. not in that category and no one else is. I mean, the, the, the Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Hurts. CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Yeah, yeah I, for, I forgot about CJ. <laughs> How did I forget about yeah, yeah, CJ? Yeah. I feel bad. Um, <laughs> and, and just and, and just in general, I don't mean to put you on the spot because you cover NFL. You're absorbing it on the daily. I mean, do you get a chance to watch any college? Are there, are, are there is there a quarterback right now among the Drake May, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix class that has you as standing out above anybody else? Because I'm not really. I mean, they look like no. I'm not sold I'm not on any of them. This, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I can make a fair, you know, assessment just purely because I haven't watched enough of them and their quarterbacking. But I think it's always interesting too, because these guys, they go through college and they're, you know, this is the guy, this is the guy that's going to be taken at one. I think about last year's draft and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and look where they are now in their respective seasons. So I think it's always so fun to watch and listen to the hype of like Caleb Williams or Drake May and all of these things. And you're like, I always think, what's this going to look like in the NFL? What kind of NFL quarterback are they going to be? Um, so I always hold off on my assessments because, just to be honest, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, and it could go a number of different ways. So I leave that to the the college, you know, the draft, the mock drafts and the analysts to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I call it uh, when I start doing my YouTube research is when I really yeah. start drilling in and, and, yeah. and figuring it out. Um, you know, as it stands right now, just a couple more on the Bears really quick. Um, as it stands right now, I'm sure you get a lot of fan interaction, you know, not just through your show, Chicago Football Weekly with Jared Payton, but also on Twitter. Um, do you feel like it's leaning more towards Chicago Bears fans who prefer that they move on from Justin Fields? Or if they kept, I'm just kind of living in the world that I think there is a world where you can keep Justin Fields use those two top five picks and actually still be in a pretty decent spot. I mean, do you think Bears fans are starting to loosen the grip on their love of Justin Fields or where does that stand right now? I think a little bit. And I think, you know, when you start seeing everybody kind of, you know, they're clamoring at Tyson Bajan and then all of a sudden, you know, the last couple of games are like, well, maybe not. We don't want Tyson Bajan. I think it's, it, that's, more of a sign that they're not sold on Justin Fields. Cause if you start talking about, mm-hmm. well, maybe we can run with this rookie. Okay. Like let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But I think that's the indication that mm, we're not sold on Justin Fields. And I think it's a lot of things, but ultimately it's just the, the being tired of losing. And I think it's no matter what they do to fix things, that has been the biggest issue to me with the 2023 Chicago bears. It's not necessarily, obviously a quarterback is a big part of it, but not everything has fallen on, you know, fallen on Justin. The, the defense up until two weeks ago, I didn't think looked good at all. So there's so many issues with that team that it's like, I feel like Bears fans are just like, what is it going to be this week? And they're not so, but I don't think we're seeing the Justin Fields like, that's our guy. Let's keep him forever mentality anymore. It's more of like, all right, well, how's this going to go down this week? Yeah, um, I'm on, I'm probably on the fan side of things. I think we're getting a little desperate, and when you get desperate, yeah. you get a little confused, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the clearest. You know, you're not don't have the quite cl- clarity of the tunnel vision that you need from a perspective. Um, you led me right into my next topic. I think there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Chicago Bears defense over the last couple of weeks. Um, they've gotten a little bit healthier. Obviously, you add a Montez Sweat. Um, are, are yeah, are you buying or selling this defense? Um, as an ascending unit right now, moving forward into the next month, which hopefully can lead to more competitive football, which again gives us a more opportunity to see Justin Fields in an easier to digest scenario of whether he's going to stick around or not. And I don't want to sound like Matt Eberflus here because I 
really honestly never want to sound like Matt Eberflus when I'm talking about like <laughs> do the, do the impression, sound. Yeah, no, no, I can't. But fundamentally sound, if this defense comes out each week and plays fundamentally sound, and I will give it to Matt Eberflus because him acting as defensive coordinator since the departure of Alan Williams has changed the defense a little bit. You can see them be more aggressive. And then obviously they get their secondary healthy back with Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. And then Jalen Johnson's on the field. That always makes a huge difference. Kyler Gordon has had a phenomenal game last week. So when the secondary is good and then you add Montez Sweat, and yes, it's only been, what, two games, but he makes an impact. He was making Bryce Young so uncomfortable. And I think his presence alone was needed for that pass rush. They didn't just have that, like, guy that someone has to be aware of all the time that let's just face it that bears pass rush didn't was abysmal they they didn't weren't there so i think montez already has made an impact in such a short amount of time so if they play well if they tackle well i think this defense is kind of getting their swag and aggressiveness that we saw in training camp because every single day in training camp this defense would be flying all over the place and they had this energy about them and this swag and the offense was kind of like annoyed by it well that disappeared for a big chunk of the season now I feel like they're trying to get it back. We'll see how they handle like this second half of the season. But Montez Sweat already, I feel like, has made a difference. And I'm excited to see where he can take this pass rush that, you know, struggled to get any kind of pressure on the quarterback. I think we're still we're still sitting at 11 sacks. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That Am I there? Right. Yeah. 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 It's not great. Um, no. <laughs> uh, real quick. Uh, so uh, we're gonna, just going to roll it forward to the Lions really quick. Um, I believe the spread right now is nine and a half. I don't know if that's going to go up. I don't know if that's going to go down. Um, I'm not going to ask you where the Chicago Bears going to beat the Lions this weekend, but do you feel like that this is trending towards a competitive effort from the Chicago Bears, or do you still feel like that Detroit? Do you feel do you do you buy in Detroit's talent so much that uh, it's just going to be tough for Chicago this weekend? I just feel like it's going to be tough for the Bears, and I look at what the Lions got themselves in a shootout with the Chargers and. That's that's not a recipe for success for the Chicago Bears, especially in a first game back for Justin Fields. They do not want to be in any kind of situation where they have to score 38, 41 points. I mean, we know that they can't even come close to that. So I think it's just going to be a really tough test. I think Detroit is the real deal. Yes, they've had some bumps along the road, but barely. So I think they have the advantage. They're at home. Dan Campbell has this team fired up. They're super talented. And now Justin coming off the injury, first game back. If there's any kind of rust, it's going to be a long day at Ford Field. Uh, final one for you here. Thank you so much for joining us here on Believe in Bears. You can follow all Caitlin Sharkey's work here at WGN, uh, G- at GNTV, Chicago Football Weekly, with Jared Payton, uh, who's fantastic as well. You guys do such a great job. Uh, uh, forgive me a minute. I want to ask you, this is going to be a Wisconsin question right here. <laughs> I want you to kind of walk into the uh, Wisconsin bummerverse if you will. And I just want to ask you from your perspective, what are you hearing from back home from friends and family? What is bumming them out more right now? And I'm going to give you some options. Um, option <laughs> number one is uh, the Bucks defense. Option number two, Craig Council. Option number three, Badgers football. Or option number four, just the reality of Jordan Love and the 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 step back that the Packers have taken this season. What is bumming? What is bumming uh, uh, our friends up north the most right now? I would say in this moment, it's Craig Council by far. I mean, I attended his press conference as the new is that Cubs weird? manager. Is that weird? Oh, as a Wisconsin girl, it was it's wild. And it, part of my was like, oh, 
I don't like this. And then the other half of me was like, I'm a Chicago Cubs reporter now. So this is fantastic. I covered Craig for six seasons. Like, this is awesome. I'm excited to see him. Mm. But like my friends and family and everyone in Wisconsin, I posted like a clip of him walking in and putting on his Cubs shirt. And the reaction I got, they're like, this is Favre to the Vikings. This is worse than Favre to the Vikings. Like, I can't believe this. I'm disgusted. Like, it's really, really upsetting Brewers fans. And I think the Bucks will be fine. It's the beginning of the season. Uh, the Badgers are the Badgers. And I think Packer fans know deep down in their heart they had to ride this wave of, like, Jordan Love. This is his first year. Let let him, you know. And they showed some signs of progress that they're at least heading in the right direction. They have a young team. They'll get it figured out. I think it's the Craig Council just leaving. I mean, he is Mr. Wisconsin. He has been for a long time. I There's a lot of emotions there after 17 seasons as a player and manager. So that is the – main bummer right now and uh i'm excited to have him here in chicago but my brewer's heart is like oh man <laughs> it was shocking i i mean to say that anyone saw that coming um god would be lying um it, it was mm-hmm. just it was just so incredible this isn't like jose valentine like going from the brewers to the white Sox or something like that some years ago mm-hmm. i do find that to be really interesting though do you feel like just really quick is it have more to do with what Craig Council, the, the born and raised son of Wisconsin, is it have a little bit more to do with that? What's going on with the fan base? Because when you mentioned Favre and the Vikings, um, Favre is perhaps, you know, him and Reggie White. And I don't know, uh, Giannis are one of the greatest. If you make a Mount Rushmore of Wisconsin athletes, they're, they're definitely in consideration there. Does that have more to do with him unretiring, retiring each year? Had people kind of grown a little weary of Favre at that time? And is that why Craig Council hurts a little bit more? Is that part of it? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And and it took a long time for fans to get over far, but then they welcomed him back and, you know, everything was fine. It was water under the bridge. Time, I think, will do this with Craig Council as well because there's a large portion, portion of um, Wisconsin sports fans that are happy for Craig, that are like, you know what? He gave us eight incredible seasons, five postseason appearances, three NL Central titles. Like, we still love him. He's still going to have a home in Whitefish Bay. His family's still going to live there. So it's it's very much like, oh, it just stings. So I think his first time maybe back to Milwaukee may not be a pleasant one. I expect to hear some boos in the crowd, but time heals all. And I think more and more people will respect Craig for what he brought to the organization because I don't really like the way, you know, Mark Adonacio, the owner, kind of made the comments that he did about, well, Craig lost his community. Eh, I don't know if it's really fair to say Craig wanted growth. He can go to a storied franchise 90 minutes from where his house is. Um, and make, you know, 40 million over five years. So no, no one's going to say no to that. So he looked very happy and excited. So time will make things better. I hope, you know, in the fan, in the eyes of Brewers fans. Uh, the first one is, uh, which is why I love being from the Midwest. The fact that you said that they're like, you know what? We still just good luck, Craig. You know what I mean? Like they still wish to <laughs> yeah. luck is a super Midwest yeah. thing to do. And uh, for the Brewers <laughs> owner, I'm sure Craig can finally get, probably get a, a great, restaurant reservation in milwaukee still for yes. years to come so i don't know if he's necessarily losing his community there on that one a little bit of a broken mm-hmm. heart um but yeah it just honestly it just makes the nl central a lot more exciting all of a sudden and uh and and are you on board with that it does really kind of, it's a signal right it's a it's a it's a very clear signal that the chicago cubs are going to have an incredibly active interesting perhaps exciting explosive offseason yeah i think that's the biggest part you know greg said it in his press conference. The time now is to be a Cub and there's a lot of momentum and I want to be part of that. And I can feel that. I think they were even on the cusp of it last season 
with David Ross and they, they you know, they kind of lost it at the end, unfortunately, but they were really building some great things right there. So if they can do that, spend some more money, hey, maybe Shohei Otani decides he doesn't want to stay in a warm weather climate and he wants to come to Chicago. Uh, that would be even better. I, that would blow my mind. But yeah, I think the Cubs are going to be serious players this season. I just want to keep having you going into to press rooms and being like, I can't wait to see who walks through that door. And it's Craig Council, yeah. Joe, hey, Pete Alonzo, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever I would die. Is, let's, just, <laughs> let's just keep yeah. that rolling. Keep that rolling. Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining Believe in Bears. I uh, really appreciate it. You've been a great guest in the past. Thank you so much for always taking time. Uh, your star continues to rise on WGN TV. You're doing great work with the Chicago Bears. Um, uh, Chicago is very lucky to have you. Thank you so much for joining the show and hope to have you back again soon. Thank you so much, Joey. I always love coming on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE and only believe, B-L-E-A-V, 50% welcome bonus. Uh, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Plenty more great guests coming all this week. you got to make sure you stay tuned to Believe in Bears. We will be back soon. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.